Hi, this is Larry Wilson, and this is How to Talk to Humans. This is the podcast that shows you how to improve your communication skills. Are you looking to get a better job? Are you looking to find a relationship? Are you trying to do things in your life that have frustrated you and eluded you so far? I can show you so easily how to change that. Now, I can only do it with humans. If you're looking to deal with vampires or zombies, extraterrestrials, this is not the show for you. But if you're really looking to improve your communication skills, I can show you what I've learned from 40 years in show business working with the biggest celebrities and superstars in the world, and their secrets are unbelievable. What I'm going to be teaching you during the course of this podcast every week are tools that you can use to communicate toward success. I've been telling a lot of stories about where I learned the tools and techniques that I've used to build Wilson Method. But today I'm actually going to give you some more concrete, practical applications because these things do, as illustrated in the stories I told you, they do uh, show you how to build confidence. They show you how to communicate with clarity. They show you all the power that you can have both personally and professionally and how it can be uh, transformational for your life. I am a firm believer that Everything worth having in this life begins and ends with communication. I think no one can dispute that. It is, uh, I say it from the vantage point of my entire life. I've seen that again and again. And that's why I share some of these stories with you. But I want to give you something, uh, like I say, more practical. Sometimes in Wilson Method, I refer to the three C's. And those C's are connect, communicate, create. And I'm going to tell you more what I mean about that. But let me just say that the reason, sometimes in another episode, I'm going to tell you about the three D's. But the reason I use these techniques of saying like three C's is I want to give you a touchstone so that if you're really interested in what we're discussing here and you're practicing it and you're trying to employ these tools, if you get lost at some point, as we all do, I know I do, that you can think, oh, the three C's. And then, you know, our brains are hardwired to seek out patterns. That's just the way the human brain works. Now, I've told you this before. How to talk to humans is only about talking with humans. I don't know how those creatures from the Black Lagoon brains work. I don't know, you know, werewolf brains. I don't know. I would think the werewolf brains would be interested more in food and things like that. I'm just guessing. I don't know. But human brains are designed to seek out patterns. So when I tell you the three C's, your brain thinks, oh, that's right, 
three C's. And you can remember, oh, connect, communicate, create. I want you to learn to connect with people before you've spoken a word. And this is using all semiotic techniques, all things that are not spoken. Well, the most obvious, of course, is how you smile. And people think, well, God, I've seen some people do some smiles that were scary. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, or else fortunately, it just depends on your, uh, your appetite for my peculiar stories. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you where I learned one of the most valuable lessons about smiles was at the poker table. I was, you know, in my career, I've spent so much time in casinos, working in casinos. You know, if I was an opening act for some big star like Sammy Davis Jr., I'm only working like an hour a night total. I have a lot of free time. So a lot of times I would wind up at the poker table. Nowadays, of course, uh, poker really means Texas Hold'em. Now, I think there are probably still some places where they're dealing a seven-card stud or five-card stud or maybe, uh, well, Hold'em is where it's at. It's fast. It's exciting. The thing about Hold'em that's so funny is it makes a, it's similar to the way people think about sex. Everyone thinks they're really good at it. Whether they are or not, the, whoever thought of Texas Hold'em, it's so deceptively simple that it looks like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Sure you can. But what you learn, of course, like in everything in life, the people who are experts have accumulated different technique over the course sometimes of years or a lifetime. And... What happened when I was playing a lot of poker, some of the poker players, I guess because they liked me, because I was friendly, because I talked to people, I talked to humans, they took pity on me and they would pull me aside. And one time they'd, you know, oh, you want to get a bite to eat or something? They'd say, you don't really understand this game, do you? And I'd say, yes, I do. I'm, I'm very, they go, no, no, you really don't have a clue. And so they took pity on me and they would teach me. They, and I remember one guy in particular took a cocktail napkin and wrote some, like he wrote four things that I should pay attention to. And I'm not going to go into them because this is not a podcast about how to play Hold'em. I'm sure there is one out there. There's probably a thousand of them out there. But as soon as I started following those four things, I started winning more money and my game got better. And I thought, oh, I get it. There's all this stuff I didn't know. So, and I started to become friends with some of these top players. And sometimes I would see them do something that seemed like they were mind reading or something. Well, obviously they weren't mind reading. They had some knowledge or some technique and I would pester them. I'd go, how did you do that? What was that? What was that? You know, and I'll never forget. I was in Las Vegas. I was playing poker at the Bellagio. And I can't remember the size of the game, but there was a lot of money on the table. And there was a, a huge pot, thank God I wasn't in, um, but a gigantic pot. 
My old friend from Kentucky, Tom Stinson, would have said, it was a pot so big, a show dog couldn't jump over it. That's how big it was. It was huge. And it got down to just all the cards were dealt, and there were only two players remaining. And one guy at the very end pushed all in, I guess, uh, his last few thousand dollars. This gigantic pot. And the guy who was his opponent had to determine whether he should call or fold. And he studied the guy for what I thought was a long time. And he was sort of talking to him. And he said, really? And he was just talking out loud. You're allowed to say whatever you want, you know, if you're in the hand. And he said some stuff. And he said, uh, am I supposed to think that you have any sort of talking? And then after what seemed like a very long time, like several minutes, he said, I call. And he pushed his money in. And the other guy threw his cards in what we call the muck, meaning the discards, essentially um, quitting the hand. He folded his hand without showing it. He forfeited his interest in the hand. And so the guy who'd called him scooped in this gigantic pot. And I kept my eye. When that guy got up to go to the men's room, I followed him. You know, some of these stories have a sort of unsavory tone to them. I followed him into the men's room and said, I really need to talk to you. The guy was like, how about if you wait till I uh, leave the men's room? I said, fine, fine. But I'm going to be outside here waiting for I said, I saw that hand. I want to know what what went on. How did you? Now, this guy said, I don't know if it's true, but I don't know if he told me or someone else at the table told me. He was an FBI interrogator. And he said to me, he said, you didn't see what went on there? I said, no, I didn't see. The guy pushed all in, and you thought and thought and thought, and you talked to him and talked to him. He never answered you, and then you called. He goes, yeah. He said, uh, he said, in my work, I've learned that a real, authentic smile is symmetrical. A fake smile is asymmetrical. I said, Okay. He said, so I was talking, trying to get that guy to smile. And when at one point when I said, oh, you're trying to, you want me to think you made the nut flush or whatever it was. And the guy sort of looked at me and smiled and said, and it was lopsided. So I knew he was lying. And I thought, oh my God. I said, could this be true? Or is this guy just a nut? Well, I started paying attention. Well, of course it's true. Of course he didn't. He wasn't just taking a chance. He had seen enough criminals. When you say, oh, you weren't anywhere near the murder site? And they smiled and it was this crazy lopsided. If you look at yourself in the mirror while you're trying to do this, some of the smiles, if you go online and, and uh, search for pictures of people smiling, of images, you'll see some of them look so horrifying because it's someone trying to smile. And it's this horrible rictus that is just, it's terrifying. Real smiles, unless you're a trained actor, and I'm not saying you need to be a trained actor to employ Wilson method. That's a whole separate kind of thing. 
But if you think about something pleasant, if you think of a memory, it might be a person, it might be a child, it might be a pet, it might be a fantastic cheeseburger, I don't know. If you think about something that's a really pleasant memory, our natural facial affect produces an authentic smile. If you go into a meeting with people you've never met before, and you take a moment before you go into that room, you close your eyes, and you just think of that. You know, it's funny because I know immediately I think of, I think of my son when he was like four years old, racing around the house. He races through the kitchen where my wife is, and he says, can I have some breakfast? And she says, yes. And he's already racing out. And then he races back in a second. He's racing and he goes, banana pancakes, please. And then races out. And my wife sort of laughs and goes, okay, all right. My son races back and says, it's a pleasure doing business with you. When I think of that, I can't help but smile. I have a huge smile on my face. Thinking, he's like four years old. Where did he get this from? I mean, there's, there's a million examples with him that just make me laugh. If you access something like that in your memory, people don't know what you're thinking. I'm not saying you're supposed to trick people. I'm saying you want to let people see your human qualities. If you access a pleasant memory, you can use this online on Zoom. Have you ever been in these meetings on Zoom when these people look like zombies, even though we're almost positive they're human? It's a terrifying experience. Well, it's because there's no human energy exchange taking place. The reason that I prefer live performance for my career, all the television appearances, hundreds of television appearances I did, I thought of them just as uh, promotional. You know, it was so that people could see me and be interested if they saw I was performing live somewhere near them. Because as a performer and as an audience member, you can feel the exchange of human energy that's taking place if it's a good entertainer. I know we've all had the experience of seeing someone perform live who seems like they're performing by rote. They're mechanical. And it feels weird. It feels off. We don't really feel connected to them. When the performer is open to us and when we feel that we're seeing their authentic self, we feel a connection to them. That's the first C in the three C's is to connect. And there's so many elements. We don't have time to delve into all of them uh, here, but obviously your eyes... Shakespeare writes, the eyes are the windows to the soul. This guy's like writing this 600 years ago. 
How did he know that it would still be true today? Well, because it's obviously one of these fundamental truths. The eyes. You know, I see people do marketing where they're wearing sunglasses. And I think, you must be drunk or insane. I'm not buying anything from somebody wearing sunglasses. I'm not listening to anything anyone says who's wearing sunglasses. I feel like they're putting up a barrier between me and them. They don't want me to see. And this is frequently why people do that. Because they feel insecure. They feel uncertain. I've talked to lots of entertainers who, some of them, especially, you know, like in rock and roll, some of them, are wearing sunglasses on stage and they've just said, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. I can't stand. Well, it's very clear. Now you may fool some people in the audience who think, Oh, that person's super cool. That's why they're wearing sunglasses. But if you're really confident, you should be able to look someone directly in the eye. If you're not trying to hide something, if you're not trying to con them or scam them somehow, you should be able to look them directly in the eye. And when you do, it has a profound effect in a crazy way, especially nowadays. I think that a lot of what I teach in Wilson Method might have been more commonly employed 30 or 40 years ago. A pre-computer, pre-smartphone, I think a lot of the things I teach were very commonplace. But nowadays, you may not have a lot of facial affect because you're just texting. Well, why would you need to have facial affect? You're sort of detaching yourself from your body, which I should point out parenthetically, is not a good thing. Close parentheses. It's not a good thing to detach from your body We're human beings. And if you aren't using all the skills and techniques you have at your disposal to communicate better with humans, you're missing a phenomenal part of the human experience. You're just missing out on it. And when you access these things, uh, I know that there must be people listening who've seen someone, could be a man, could be a woman, who interacted with people where everyone just found them magnetically attractive. But objectively, looking at this person, you thought, they aren't really that attractive. No, they might not have been. But they were using things that actually exemplified their human qualities. I I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. I knew a guy when I was growing up who'd had a terrible disease as a child and was given medication that um, one of the helped him, but uh, one of the horrible side effects for him, his face was terribly pockmarked. I mean, it looked like a plaster of Paris riddled with a BB gun. And his vocal cords were damaged. So they sort of sounded like this. His voice all the time sounded like this. And I saw this guy. He had the most 
gorgeous girlfriends, one after another. I saw it again and again because he was so unapologetically human. He let people see that. People were drawn. I was frightened of him the first time I met him. I was frightened of his appearance and the sound of his voice, but he was so authentic and open and making eye contact with you that you felt like, wow, this guy sees me. He really sees me. It's, you know, one of those extraordinary experiences that you have. Um, so I, I want to make sure I talk a little bit about the other two C's. The first is to connect before you've said a word so that you can communicate your message. And your message might be as simple as, I'm new here. Or your message might be, I'd like a promotion. Or your message might be, I have something that I think you'll find extremely valuable. Or your message might be, I find you very appealing. These are all. So that you can then create authentic bonds. These authentic bonds that are created when we connect with people so that we can communicate, those authentic bonds last forever. They never, ever go away. Now, it's more obvious in show business. You'll hear people talk about someone, I met this person 20 years ago, and I've never forgotten this experience I had. It's easy to write that off thinking, well, yeah, because they were famous. But in real life, I told you on another episode about an elementary school teacher I had, Mr. Cohen. I don't think a day goes by I don't think about him. Obviously, I learned some very valuable stuff, but that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the authentic bond he had with all the kids in his class, in every class. I know they all felt it. They may not have understood what it was, but we had a special feeling about him. You can create this with everyone you communicate with using those three C's. This has been Larry Wilson. I want to thank you for spending this time with me, and I hope you found this information useful. If you're looking for more, you can find it at thewilsonmethod.com. There's a ton of stuff there. In fact, if you want, you can even speak to me because I'm human. Send me an email at info at wilsonmethod.com because I read every single one. I hope that you'll join us next week in this continuing journey. And you'll be with me for the next episode of How to Talk to Humans. <laughs>